In traditional software, software recorded the results of business. In the digital era, software conducts the business. You're configuring your software to be actually the business itself. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we are recording live at Sage Transform in Las Vegas at the Venetian. And we are joined today by Aaron Harris, CTO at Sage. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we spoke to you a couple years ago at this conference. It had a different name. I think it might have been the, still the Sage Intact. It was uh, Advantage, we Advantage. called it at the time. Yep. And you had just taken on the role of CTO at yep. Sage Global. Yep. And you've been in that role now for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, complicated, I'm sure, by pandemic restrictions and whatnot. It's, it's been interesting. <laughs> I would love to just kind of understand a bit more about how your role has changed. So, you know, you used to be CTO at Intact, and now you're overseeing this quite large portfolio of products. Yep. What's yep. it like? It's um, quite a different world. It's changed in a lot of ways. Um, uh, I think the last time we, to- we spoke, I would have told you that I was one of the first developers on the Intact product. Uh, I was the CTO, you know, for the kind of the full run of the business. And I went from kind of growing a startup into something sort of scaled and, and successful, and it, but, but still sort of a manageable. We were, we were like six or 700 employees, right? It was, it was big, but it was manageable. But it was one product, it was one market, it was really one named competitor. Now with Sage, we've got a couple hundred products. Uh, we've got 80 offices around the world where we were actively selling into 27 different countries. We've got a range of products uh, you know, that, that go back to products like Peachtree, which still have like a huge following, believe oh, it or yeah. not, that are, they're not as current from a technology perspective, but they're really healthy businesses. We also have a lot of money we're investing into to newer products, uh, new cloud products. So that's part of the fun is, is managing that. It's not just a big portfolio, it's a diverse portfolio from a technology perspective with lots of markets. So I'm having a blast. Uh, I have a lot more pieces to play with than I had at Intact. And, and frankly, Sage is a really healthy company from a financials perspective. So I, I've, got, I've gone from the world of startup where you know, you're, you're running lean and fast to a world where there's, I have so many resources available to me to, to do strategic things. Uh, it's just it's a lot of fun. And you said it's 90, almost 100 products now? Oh, no, there's, there's well over 100 products. Um, I sort of lose track. <laughs> in, in part, part, well, yeah. well, I mean, I think I you actually, guys have got like I, 10 new ones in the last 12 months, maybe. Well, we've done a couple of acquisitions. Um, I, I, I think actually as recently as two weeks ago, I discovered a new product in our portfolio. <laughs> we are a company going through a transformation. And part of that, it's not just that we're going from selling on-premise, client-server, desktop products to selling cloud products. That's a completely different business model, right? It's a different business altogether. This journey we're on requires reshaping the business. So the portfolio is constantly changing because there are going to be products that don't really fit the future Sage that we're building. And so we're selling off parts of the business while we're acquiring new parts into the business. So the old Sage model, I apologize if this, if you don't like what I'm going to say, but like, here's my perspective of the old Sage. It was Let's buy a product, let's slap the Sage logo on it, and yep. let's sell it around the globe. Yep. So, yeah. okay, so fair, fair enough? No, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a really, really fair perception. 
I think what I would say to that is in my tenure now as the CTO, we have not made a single acquisition in, that was in order to drive more profit or revenue. In fact, every acquisition we've made, we've increased the investment. So we're, we're acquiring now to build the future company. We're not acquiring now to fit stuff into the scalable business model. We're acquiring for the new business model that, that, that's coming. So tell us more about that vision, your three to five year vision for Sage. It's got to be quite a massive task taking that business model and essentially flipping it around. Yep. Right? Instead of acquiring companies and then just selling it under the Sage brand, now integrating them. We saw a little bit of that today in the keynote yep. uh, for Sage Intact, where mm-hmm. it looked like you're bringing in stuff from auto entry that was acquired a few years ago um, in terms of processing yep. bills and stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah, what is, the, what is the grand strategy? So allow me to, to get kind of academic here. Please. <laughs> um, when we started Intact, it's, it's nearly 22 years ago now, one of the big breakthroughs was this notion of multi-tenant architecture. It, it was this idea that if you're going to serve up your solution you know, from the cloud through a browser, the only way to really do that economically is to create an architecture where all customers share the same computing resources. That drove completely different economics. Uh, these, the, the multi-tenant architecture made the economics work because you're really taking on more cost as, as a provider. And this led to subscription, uh, a subscription-based business model. What we believe is happening now is we're entering into a, a new generation of software that we're calling the digital era, right? So we're moving from software as a service to digital. And our big bet is that just as multi-tenancy, this idea that everybody shares computing resources was the big breakthrough for, for, for software as a service, networks, we call them digital networks, are gonna be the breakthrough architecture for this era sort of defined by digital transformation. And there's three kind of simple ways to think about it. In traditional software, software recorded the results of business. In the digital era, software conducts the business. You're configuring your software to be actually the business itself, whether it's taking orders online, whether it's digitally interacting with suppliers to do your purchasing, to do your payments, digitally interacting with banks to to get credit. The business essentially moves into the software. Mm. So that's the first big change. The second big change is you now have to design the software in terms of the experience and the way people interact, not just for the business anymore, but for the entire business ecosystem. Right? The big breakthrough with software as a service because of anytime, anywhere access was, hey, now employees, because they don't need to install any software, can just you know, use a web browser to file an expense report, which is kind of breakthrough. With this digital era, we've got to design the software for a job applicant. We've got to design the software for a customer who's accessing an invoice, for a vendor that's providing payment information. Right? So now we're designing for the entire ecosystem. And, and the last bit, which kind of, kind of gets back to that core concept of multi-tenancy, where everybody is sharing computing resources, with the digital network, we're extending that. They're actually sharing data now, and they're actually sharing activity, right? They are, they are interacting together on the same platform. This is going to drive all of the innovation for the next couple of decades. That network becomes the pipes over which data flows. That data is what's going to power great AI breakthroughs, 
It creates new modes of trust. We can create blockchain ledgers on the network so that if two parties are interacting, we can write to a shared ledger. It just kind of goes on and on what this means in terms of breakthrough innovation. The, the breakthrough 20 years ago, which you built Intact on, was multi-tenancy. Yep. Let's use the same computing resources for multiple businesses. Yep. But those businesses still had walls between their data. Exactly. And now you want to take that down, let them share data. Obviously, there's challenges for how to do that securely. It's very sophisticated. Yes. But with blockchain, right, that's one way you could do it. And then everybody wins, I guess, is the idea yeah. with yeah. that. I think, I think one thing to be really clear on is multi-tenant products replaced on-prem products. Right. The digital network is not going to replace multi-tenancy. It extends it. it. It enables lots of products with different architectures to connect to a network for digital exchange. So this will enable even some of our products that are a little bit older to now participate in digital workflows. So these, well, we've got this big business of Peachtree customers. It's called Sage 50 now. They want to be digital too. They just love Peachtree too much to get off it and move on to something else. And so we can plug them into the network so they can now you know, pay and get paid digitally. They can send digital documents and receive digital documents or they can digitally interact with their banks. It, it extends and connects the experience for everybody. So it's something I've been, I think I tweeted out last week or whatever is like, small businesses are just everything businesses now, right? You, you know, you, you, you B2C, you're direct to consumer, you're a B2B, and you're also a service business, and you're also an e-commerce yep. multi-channel business. It sounds like accounting systems are now systems of everything now. It's not just the accounting system, like you're, you're the business. Like you can't even conduct business really in the future unless you're on an accounting platform. And yeah. so, so what's the advantage that uh, Sage has or in general over other platforms out there for that network of that data exchange happening? Yep. Or is it more of a world where all the accounting systems kind of open up to each other? We believe the future is a very open, connected world where you know, there's not going to be one network that wins, right? <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg might disagree, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I the think there will be metaverse breaking news. Will Sage be in the metaverse? <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I mean, we could have a long conversation about that. I think there's real opportunities to think about commerce and and the implications of accounting and compliance in the metaverse in really different ways. I mean, I'm excited to talk about that. I don't <laughs> over cocktails, right? Yeah, exactly. Well. Let's save that. Maybe we can get to that at the end. I would like to answer this question about yeah. what's our advantage. Let's, yeah, let's, let's hear right. it. So the advantage sort of across categories is that accounting data is the most trusted data in the business. You've got a, you've got a team of people. It might be one bookkeeper. It might be you know, the CFO's team. But their job is to ensure that data gets into the system of record reliably, accurately, and that truthfully reflects the performance of the business. Right, so this, this data by nature is trusted. So we're starting off from having this really, really valuable uh, set of data that we can build capabilities from. And in the case of Sage Intact, or Sage globally, we've got this massive install base of millions of customers across all of Sage. Uh, you know, we've got uh, huge amounts of data just within Sage Intact. The network gives us a way to get all of that connected. Right, so, so whether you're, you're a Sage 50 customer, a Sage Intact customer, whether you're accessing through a budgeting product or through an accounting product, through a payroll product, we're now creating common pipes for all of this data that is already uniquely valuable and trusted. If, if you were a startup now, 
and you believed that networks are the future for, for business, and a lot of startups are doing that, you're, you've got this massive cold start problem. Like, how do I actually get people onto the network? How do I get the data that I need to start building capabilities? We've got this massive head start in the fact that we already have access to just incredibly valuable hordes of data. And I, I think what's something that's really, really important, and we, we can never violate this, is we've got the trust of our customers. All right, so we've got this data principle that says, it's like the first, the first sentence in our data strategy document. The biggest opportunity we have is, is data. Access to that data depends on trusted customer relationships. It's their data at the end of the day. If you're a startup, you don't have those relationships yet, right? So who's gonna help you through that journey of, of getting the data, partnering with customers to build this stuff? I can go on and on about this, but we have some really, re you can probably tell by the enthusiasm that this is what gets me jazzed about being the Sage CTO. I mean, it's exciting because you look at other industries, you could argue, you know, Facebook dominated all the data about social and people's personal lives possibly, and Amazon figured out everything we're gonna buy. But you're right, the accounting data is just troves of it and nobody's figured it out yet. And yep. it's exciting because like, you're right, it's the next phase in cloud accounting, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And the thing that excites me is, my whole career has been defined by APIs uh, and being able to move data from one system to another, from building my own firm based on connecting different apps together yep. and automating stuff to working at tech companies where, I mean, we wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for an open API to right. Intact and NetSuite and then QuickBooks and Zero. So that's really interesting that like basically it sounds like one, what you're doing is taking these hundreds of hundred Sage products or so and like figuring out how do we connect them all together. Right. And when you do that, you'll have this highway for data that can go to any product, really. Right, exactly. Yeah. So all of this has to be exposed to partners via APIs. The big promise there is that you're not integrating to a specific product. You're integrating into the network, right? You're yes. adding more services to the network. And the network is designed in such a way that it's agnostic to how you might engage with the network. So you don't need to know if, if a customer is on Sage 50 or on Sage Intact or on X3 or BMS or Timberline, that's called CRE now, right? You don't have to know that. What you have to know is what are the identities, the digital identities of the organizations and the individuals that you want to create uh, capabilities for. That is really, really uh, exciting. Yeah, because, well, we just came uh, from Sweet World and the approach there is sort of the almost the opposite in some ways, where it's create a system of all our data in one place, and we're mm -hmm. going to have an all-in-one system. Evan Goldberg, yeah. that was his vision from the beginning. And it's not just the data, it's the relationship with the partners. Like right. One of the observations I made, being somebody that came up in this space and put on conferences with a bunch of sponsors, is one, things that they added to their product, those sponsors that were in that space weren't at the floor. Now you guys just announced a new payroll partnership. Um, with ADP, if I go on your show floor, am I going to see other payroll products or are they all kicked out now? That's kind of, it's, so yeah. it's beyond just the code and the data. Yeah. It's just the relationship in the market. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I'll be honest, that's, that's a bit of a challenge, right? So we talked about new AP automation capabilities within Sage Intact today, and we've probably got 20 AP automation partners yeah, I, on the show floor. Were they sitting in the audience saying, uh, what's going to happen to us? Well, I the mean, good news is that we like our partners and I've been talking to them. <laughs> Right, so we've got open channels of communication, but the answer to this is there's always going to be needs that aren't met by the core platform. 
Even if we extend to do things like automatically capture data from bills and digitize the payment, there are going to be capabilities that we simply can't do. So we have to be really, really smart about, you know, what's the footprint that we want to own and, you know, where do we really want to leverage partners? I mean, simple examples are, if you think about document management, when you really get into it, it's really different industry by industry. Like the way you interact with suppliers if you're in construction is so different from the way you interact with suppliers if you're in technology. Starting to get into the nuances of requirements there is going to inevitably drive more products that have to integrate back into the platform. So I would wager that you can't find a NetSuite customer who has solved all of their accounting and finance needs within the NetSuite platform, right? As, as rich as it is, as broad as it is, you're always going to have to have access to more data than what's in there. And that, you, you just have, so, so the way to do that, this is where Evan and I disagree, you have to embrace a very open approach, right? You have to expect that customers are going to use products that might overlap, they might conflict, but they might be entirely adjacent. And you've got to embrace this ecosystem that allows customers to assemble the right portfolio of solutions that works for them. Right, to make sure I was paying attention in the keynote today. So obviously you announced the partnership you're doing with ADP. Yep. And you're branding that as Sage Intact, Sage Intact Payroll. Payroll. But I, did I hear also correctly, because you're, you're jumping to niches, deep diving niches, you actually have also partnered with another payroll app that specializes in construction payroll. Yes, did I correct? Oh, which kind of sure. makes the point. But yeah, exactly. I just want to make sure I If you ever take a this. look at construction payroll, that is nasty business. I mean, that is really, really complex. When you, the, the impact of some of the, the labor laws, in particular around construction, you know, health and safety, the, the union laws, suddenly the payroll product is entirely different. So the payments automation feature that was announced today was essentially you can pay your bills from inside of Intact now. Yep. And you can do it by check, ACH virtual card. Yep. Basically that, that dream of pay the bill in the, in the accounting system, and it actually gets paid in the real world. Yep. Which we've been wanting for forever, right? Yep. So that's coming mid-next year. Payments, is, they, I don't think they were quite clear enough about that. We are live okay. with that payments capability. So today you can go yeah, in and Yeah, today you can go into Intact and okay. subscribe to the digital payments capability. I, I think we could have, we, we need to say a bit more about that. One of the, the really cool things about this capability, and this gets to networks, is that we match your direct your vendors and in, in intact accounts payable to a directory so that we can like map them to the real world. Once we've done that, we know, you know in the real world how does that vendor like to be paid? Like what are the forms of payment that they accept or prefer? And it gives us the opportunity to to really optimize the relationship. One of the things that we allow is 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 or we support is virtual card payment, uh, which some vendors actually prefer. For the customer, that gives them far more control over spend allocation, but there's also a cash rebate, right? So you actually get paid as a customer for using this capability because you're going to get meaningful cash rebates back every time a vendor accepts a payment with a V-card. Because a virtual card is basically a credit card payment, then they're, they're telling you, please pay me with a credit it's, card. Yeah, it's basically a, a, a single-use credit card with a specific amount that is used for a, for that transaction. And it's settled the same way that credit card payments are And it are makes settled. a lot of sense at your space from a volume perspective because 
it's worth eating a 3% fee on your, you can automate those virtual cards, which you can't do with paper checks. And if you have enough volume coming in, it's worth the 3% fee across the board, up and down. It makes a lot, a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, I mean, from a vendor, you know. So. Now, did you guys, um, as we've seen other announcements, like every accounting system naturally is adding bill scanning and they're naturally adding bill payment. And everybody's announcing they've either partnered with a bank, partnered with many banks, created their own bank. How did you guys, end up, it wasn't really in your keynote today. How, what's so, the back so end the on that? So payments is through a partner called CSI. Okay. And don't ask me. <laughs> I know what it stands for, but I'm going to use the rest of this conversation trying to remember. So we partnered with, with CSI okay. uh, to do the payments. We work with literally 11,000 banks on doing digital bank feeds and, and automated reconciliation. And I think that the thing that got announced today that is coming uh, first half of next year is that automated bill processing, right? So having an email inbox where your suppliers can send their bills, which then kicks off an automated workflow that reads the data from the bill, automatically puts it into your accounting system, and then leads you to a place where you can review the data to, to review it for accuracy and, 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 you know, and then initiate the rest of the workflow. So that part's coming uh, early next year. Well, I'll be very specific. First half of next year. First half of next I'm year. I'm pushing the team to get it done faster. <laughs> well, you heard it here, team. First half of next year. There was one other term I wanted to ask about. I was going to say, do you want to ask about the data mesh? Data mesh. Oh, yeah, so I wasn't quite clear on data mesh. It sounds like a way to get your intact data and other external data into one place to then do cool stuff with it. Is this related to what you were talking about before with uh, the vision, the longer-term vision? Or Well, let, let me explain yeah. the basic principle of a data mesh. The basic principle of a data mesh is that you are going to need access to data from all kinds of sources. It's impossible to plan you know, a big project to say, we need data from here, 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 and here, and be done. When you've done that, there's going to be an ever-evolving uh, list of places where you need to get data from. The data mesh essentially says, rather than trying to pull all the data into one central data lake or data warehouse, every supplier of data now thinks about data being a product that can be consumed in sort of infinite ways. And so all of these, these so our, you know, the payroll products we work with, uh, Sage Intact Planning, all of these products that are sort of in the ecosystem, they become providers of data to the mesh, right? So the mesh, rather than pulling all the data into one place, it's got the ability to, to reach out and, and get the data where it needs to based on the query. And, you're, it, and it's always evolving. So it's gonna be Sage products, but it might also be data that you've got sitting somewhere outside of Sage. The thing that we will always be really, really clear on is that we're building it for a CFO or substitute some other name for, for the head of finance. It's always going to be in support of what does the CFO or finance leader need to get their job done. And if that means that, you know, in the, the process of creating, you know, board reports, there's data that, that's not in the accounting system. We want to make sure that the CFO or CFO's team can get access to that data. So as a CTO and you're managing these 90, 100, 400 products you're managing here, it's, I know like um, uh, Jeff Bezos is very famous for telling everybody, hey, every piece of code you write needs to be consumable by others. Yes. Do you kind of have this mandate you've now put down like, hey, the output of your products have to go into this data mesh. It has to be consumable by other people at Sage. We've set out basically six principles for how Sage product development teams build products in order to sort of fit with our vision. The very first principle is API first. 
in a digital world, you're going to have you know, proportionally far less interaction with the software from humans <laughs> than you will through some you know, unforeseen set of digital sources, right? And so if, if you really embrace API first, your job of making the data available as a product is already almost done. That's like first principle for building our products, API first. It's going to get plugged into the digital ecosystem. Well, that's all the questions I have. I was dying I, for the next five, but we'll, we'll end on the one, and, and maybe next time we'll get the other five. That's all the time we have, and, and, and maybe we'll try and catch up with you uh, on the meta, the metaverse. Yeah. Yes, the metaverse. <laughs> Should I go uh, buy accountingmetaverse.com? I right think now? so. Go, go do it. You need, you need another domain. We have been speaking with Aaron Harris, CTO at Sage. Aaron, thank you so much for your time. It's great. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Always Enjoyed fun talking it. to you guys.